0: The question earlier on about when when was the watershed yes, moment yes. between yeah. what I think followed was modern guitar and what I think before became what you might right. talk about vintage. And for me, it's when Van Halen came on the scene yeah. in the late 70s and he pretty much stuck his fingers up to the guitar, you know, and and, and kind of said, I'm not playing a Les Paul or anything like yeah. that. I've taken these parts and I've painted it myself and I've wired it myself. In fact, I'm so yeah. bad at wiring that I've left. Toggle switch in the middle of the body where one of the pickups used to be, simply because I don't know how else to to physically wire it, you know. And then, then he went and made Van Halen one, which is just that for me is the epitome of everything that followed. That is modern guitar. Greetings, welcome back to another episode of the Guitar Smarts podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. This week, Kieran and I are debating on vintage vibes versus versus modern technology. What is the best? Is vintage the best? Modern, the best. Um, why is it that guitarists seem to have this predisposed fetish for uh, vintage equipment? And why is it that improvements in, of, in modern technology and manufacturing haven't seemed to have made guitarists prefer to, to use modern technology and modern instruments over, or at least hasn't made them want to? Um, covet modern stuff versus vintage stuff and vintage stuff isn't even really that old yet in electric guitar and and, uh, modern music terms is it, I mean it's still all within the lifetime of a Of a single person really But anyway, that's what we're debating this week We'd love to hear your thoughts on this Um, Come and give us your thoughts On our social media pages You can come and give us uh, um, Some comments in the comment section Of one of our posts Or you can email us or contact us In the messages on Facebook or Instagram Um, Remember, if you want to interact with us You can contact us on our socials And if you want to contribute To um, the Guitar Smarts podcast In any way Then you can come and buy us a coffee maybe on a a buymeacoffee.com forward slash guitar smarts Um, any contribution is very gratefully received Um, and anyway that's enough waffle from me let's get to it exactly just
1: silly things Um, the little things don't sweat the little things
0: don't sweat the little things that's true Excuse me, by the way, I am—I've got a terrible cough. Oh, mate, I'm struggling with it today, um, but I'm going to bow on through because you oh, know, bless you. It's no guitarist so podcast.
1: Oh, and mate, then, I'm sorry to hear you're feeling a bit miserable. No, so, yeah, I'm excited. Did you for, pick this up this. in Barcelona? Were you too? Did you party right, I too I think I went
0: hard. out with it. Um, did you? I, I um. kind of had a cough on the way there. <laughs> I was in the airport buying Everton mints, thinking I don't want to sit on this plane and be like plane coughing away. <laughs> <laughs> sweets to kind of keep myself from <laughs> coffee.
1: it's not coming it's not coming I know it's not COVID, it's not
0: COVID. It's not COVID. Yeah. don't chuck me out of the country yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know and it wasn't I did a test I was fine mm. um but yeah it just seems to have um, developed into a little bit of possibly a chest infection I think oh, a bit still, but I'm okay I'm okay I'm in good spirits you know Um I've still got good. these things behind me which is great hey. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gretch. Gretch in the uh, and the squire the
1: in the and the, the telly we, we, I can't uh, have we started are we starting are we starting
0: yeah I think Let's so start. Let's yeah start this is in it this is going to be in
1: this is in, this is in. we're, we're this live is still now still
0: in it didn't go well
1: <laughs> yeah. oh mate so so, so so we don't we don't get to see the uh, we don't get to see the the, the Les Paul now it's, it's, it's not only has it been retired from its gigging life it's been retired from from my view now I don't get to see well,
0: it well it's, it's still technically there. you know it's, it's still correct. just it's just the, you know yeah I see look at that. that and I do have I did just receive this week from Amazon some more of the um, the wall hangers so I can oh, yes. now kind of move everything along so I'm going to get you know the Les Paul on the strap behind me yeah. and then the uh, the old acoustic and the old bass guitar can go on the side uh, on the end there so I've got to get them all behind me and uh, you know get what? them all off the floor
1: yeah that's what it was missing for me is like I know they're there out of, yeah. out of my field of view and I don't I want to see them all behind <laughs> you now I want to see yeah. them your collection. I know it is a
0: collection now. Technically speaking, I do have, mm. hmm, I, I've really got to get out and gig the, uh, the Gretsch though. Cause I had a gig the other week. Um, yes, you did. Wasn't it? And I had the gig on the seventh yeah. gig went yeah. awesome. It was a really great, good fun mm. gig, um, with mates cool. for like a charity event. Um, oh, nice. but I, my guitar case that I'd ordered for the Gretsch didn't turn up in time. So, oh. um, so I took the, the new, um, Esquire, the, Squire. That was awesome. That was so good. Yeah. He sounded yeah. great. I played that for the first set and then went back to the strat for the second set. Um okay and I'll tell you what I did notice actually about using mm. that that squire is um because I've generally got it on that middle setting so if you remember it's got one mm-hmm. pickup right and the yeah. middle settings with the tone control engaged so to kind mm. of tame that pickup for most of the time you're playing I've got it in that middle setting with the tone rolled down um when I went back to the strat later on and obviously my tone's always up I had quite a bit more volume I'd, I yeah. didn't you know you forget that rolling the tone off is literally rolling yeah. volume off as well it's just the volume for certain frequencies frequencies exactly. or a certain band of frequencies right so it. so it does affect your dynamics and it, I, it just didn't occur to me at the time but it actually made it really feel great to get the strap back on in yeah. the, in the <clears> second <throat> half of the gig. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah it was a pleasure to play the, the new Squire but I haven't,
1: plugged haven't in used the Gretchen anger, anger yet. Yeah <laughs> so I'm really trying to get down
0: to a jam night at some time soon so hopefully by the time this comes out I've been to a jam and I've played right. it and and um and I'm, you know, as happy with it as I know I will be. Um, but as much, as much as I love playing the grass, it's awesome. I, I just, I can't wait to hear it wound up at gig volume. Yeah, of, you know, yeah, exactly. Oh, I can't either, mate. <laughs> I can't yeah.
1: either. We'll get along to the jam. We wanted to go this week, didn't we? But uh, I couldn't. I had childcare issues one evening. So I was like, oh, damn it. I was I was really up for it this week. So I haven't got well. I had gigs last weekend. And then I've got gigs next weekend. <laughs> Um, well, the jam
0: we want to go to is a weekly thing anyway, isn't it? So we've plenty of opportunity. We have plenty of
1: opportunities yeah. but, but this would have been perfect because I'm I'm gig free this weekend. So that would have been my playing for the week sorted. But... Um, yeah, it didn't, didn't, uh, didn't align this week, but, um, but you know what, you've raised a really interesting point as well, which is one I'm trying to get my, trying to figure out as well. And and if I, if I spend some time thinking about it and figuring it out, I'll find a, a solution. <laughs> but, um, I do want to mix and match different guitars when I'm out gigging now. And I'm right. basically, you know, for, for, at the moment I'm, I'm just literally, uh, I've got a, a Les Paul on a, on the stand next to me or a... <clears throat> Uh, it is a Les Paul that I, I take out as my second guitar, but then I've got the Strat as my main guitar, and that's my my number one, the one with the humbucker and the bridge, uh, the American Deluxe one, which is lovely, and I'm loving playing it, and it's super versatile, and it does what, what I want to do, but I'm kind of missing playing my Les Paul. I'm trying to figure out in my head... How I can make that work with my rig and my pedals? Because the mm. difference between those two guitars is going to be so big. I think in terms of output, dynamic range, how they drive the pedals, yeah. etc. That I'm just not sure if it's going to be feasible enough to do. Um, at least, certainly within a set, I just can't figure out how that that's going to work. Maybe I do one set with, with like you did for the latest gig, one set with one guitar, then. During the break, um, switch over to the other guitar, make my adjustments, re-EQ things and stuff. But then I just go, oh, I can't, can't be arsed. That's just going to be too much like hard work. Mm. So may, maybe I just alternate guitars over gigs and just go, well, I'm just going to – I think I might do that for the next gig. I might just – because now I've started to gel in with this new band and I've had like three or four gigs with them now, so things are things are starting to feel really comfortable. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll push myself out of my comfort zone for the next gig and just do it all in a Les Paul and just, just see – see how that goes because I'm really I'm really missing gigging gigging a Les Paul I
0: must say yeah and you've got some nice ones as well like those Tokai's you've got that you set up mm. you know um, those, those are real gigging monsters aren't they you should take really one of those are. out for sure yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the same but, feeling you've got with your Gretsch it's like I want to get out and gig that one because I want to Yeah, use yeah, 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 exactly. an anger and a gig and,
0: yeah. and also it's kind of like you know those guitars speak to you differently so you kind of mm. play differently you know yeah. I play differently with my Les Paul yeah. and, and you know you could sit there and say oh well it's the scale length or it's the weight oh. or it's the sound of the pickups you've got to play slightly differently. But no, really, it's just it's just a slightly different instrument yeah. and you kind of treat it slightly differently um, mm. because, you know, it feels and sounds different. You respond to your That's instrument, fair. don't you? The, you so do. much about playing an instrument is the feedback you get from the, the instrument as you play it, and that informs yeah. how you kind of continue yeah. to play. It's almost like a relationship you know and um having a different instrument for for you know for a gig mm. helps you to kind of open up different avenues in your playing i think as well so for sh- exactly
1: you know exactly i, th- I right. think you should
0: do it dude i think you should take out the uh, take out the double neck sg <laughs> go it's for still it gig on that just <laughs> see where it takes my playing
1: no, but there is some there is something right in what there, there, there is everything right in what you're saying which is you find a way to make that guitar work for you in that situation, to make it do things that you yeah. need it to do that it might not naturally want to do. So even this, the Strat, right? For me, the Strat is super comfortable for that function type set um, and the, because I know <clears throat> that the uh, neck pickup setting and that kind of position for kind of out of phase setting, I've got all my kind of funky sounds straight in there, single coil stuff, little bit of dirt, I know where I am, happy days. But I kind of have to think about what I'm doing with my pedals and even with the humbucker to get a really rocky sound because it's not it's not a Les Paul and it's a different approach. Mm. And and what I'm trying to get my head around is how am I going to apply that to a Les Paul and get all those funky, cleaner, <clears throat> slightly broken up sounds that some mm. songs require. Whereas then when it's the kind of more rocky numbers in the set, I'm just like, well, this guitar is just born to do it. But you, as you say, I, I've I've done that with those guitars in various settings and various gigs and you just find a way to make it work with playing with tone controls playing with pickup selections eqing pedals slightly differently Mm. and just and and your just your intuitive kind of technique that you Mm. play those songs with you just modify slightly and and use your fingers a little bit differently to accent certain harmonics so yeah.
0: exactly that yeah you kind of you, you go to the flow a little bit more don't you you know kind of play how you feel at the time and it's mm. all one big kind of soup of you know your amp and <laughs> your pedals and the guitar and changing one of those things isn't going to change everything too drastically right? but it's going to make you play and think a little bit differently on the night and that's probably going to be a fun thing a bit more fun yeah yeah you know yeah, I, sure. like you're saying like how can I get this Les Paul to sound a little bit you know like a, like <laughs> a, a strap <laughs> like a strat you know, I, know, but I know you're not I know you're not saying I want strat. my Les Paul to play yeah, I know you're not saying I want it to sound exactly like a strat but there right, are, I know right. you're saying right there's going to be certain yeah. songs you do right. that have strat sounds inherently yes. you know yeah. and how do you get the Les Paul and, and I would say don't bother just use the Les yeah. Paul sounds for the same that's it. part That's, and, it. that's, it. that's it'll it. be fine you know um, yeah, but yeah. Or, or, long, tra- what, what long train running do. is
1: what I'm thinking of in yeah, my head exactly like, that like, kind of or, thing or the intro for like Sweet Home Alabama it's just yeah. like I know exactly where to put the Fender Strat to make that play that, that funky work. music
0: something like but that all, you know, all of that, that is of like, how am
1: I going to get that from the Les Paul but yeah. invariably when everyone's up and dancing and drinking and the band's yeah. playing a full volume it, it will still work absolutely fine on a Les Paul exactly no, that no one will go hmm seems to be missing that uh, kind of slightly out of phase tone that I was expecting and hoping for from a, from a Strat and he's playing Les Paul what a disappointment
0: and never happens no, never. <laughs> <laughs> it never happens what you could never do yeah. is use it as an excuse to say uh, well do you know what then it means that my pedal board that I have is set up perfectly for a strap uh-huh. not a Les Paul maybe what I need to do is get a second pedal board yeah and you know, for my Les Paul you know with a yeah. few adjustments <laughs> well
1: do you know what I have uh, one two three I- I'm not a huge pedal collector like uh, I'm not. I'm not Mick and Dan from that pedal show where you just dial in and they've got like seven hundred thousand pedals sitting behind them. But I've got about half a dozen or so pedals uh, sitting over over on the other side of the room on a on a shelf, which. Are ones that just don't work on 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 my board with a strap very mm. well mm. but they they really work with a Les Paul so what I will do for the next gig is swap the pedals out that I know there's two or three of them uh, like that way you know that way huge uh, pedal the that you recommended to my wife the STO, the STO. The STO. Yeah. like that just with a Les Paul through my Blues Deluxe, yeah. it just works. There is something about it. It just, <laughs> it just, everything is right in the world. That combination is amazing. I can't really get it to work very well with a Strat. It no. just, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. Well, also uh,
0: your Strat's don't have kind of normal Strat pickups, right? Mm. Is that right? So the, uh,
1: um, one of them does. One of right, them, okay. The the one I made has got um, bare knuckle Irish tours in it, but you're right. The one the American Deluxe has got the noiseless um, oh, trees in it. Yeah, so not not classic pickups. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, I see, this is the thing: horses for courses. <sighs> It's kind of, you know, one thing can sound amazing with one guitar and it just doesn't quite cut the biscuit with, cut the biscuit? Has anybody anybody ever said that? But anyway, it doesn't quite (laughs) cut the mustard. That's it. I think we should get
1: many metaphors on this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I've
0: destroyed many turns of phrases. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's funny, isn't it? It's all it's all like I said, it's like a big soup, isn't it? Of yeah. of different things, of ingredients, guitars, all your your pedals and your and everything. And it's just a case of you know playing around with the ingredients for from yeah. gig to gig and have fun and experiment with it. Otherwise, That's what I do point with my of helix. You know, I mean my helix. Yeah. You know, like the last yeah, time I, I gigged, yeah. you see, <laughs> I had a dual amp rig. I was playing through a plexi and a Fender yeah. Deluxe. Switching between the two for my clean and my dirty sound. No, yeah, that's, that's so what that's... I had on my helix. It was but it sounded fantastic, you know. Stereo yeah. delay. Um Oh what a pleasure. You know, I had a clon clon for the for a bit of a boost. Yeah. Um, just to kind of thicken things up a bit. It's just the next time I go out, I'll probably take myself, you know, with a I don't know, you know, a Dr. Z maybe. Probably probably use <laughs> a Dr. Z amp and maybe a, you know, a clean sold out or something like that. Yeah.
1: Literally whatever, whatever you can whatever think of, you can now program. It's, it's Do whatever there. Whatever I want. It's man. there. Honestly. It's there. The world me talking is my about old school technology. <laughs> old school technology from versus me versus modern. Yeah, versus modern world. There well, you go. that's There's what we're segway. talking
0: about this week, isn't it? There was we... a that was what a segue, that was. a segue, what a Completely segway. unintentional, <laughs> but, um, but it happened perfectly. So yeah, this week. Sorry to interrupt this fascinating conversation, but if you've made it this far, maybe you should subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. Go and do that now, and then let's get right back to it. This week we are talking modern tech versus vintage vibes. And what is the best balance? is there a balance is there is it best to be vintage is modern now better who knows i mean it it's subjective we know but um this is quite an age old question i think um modern tech versus vintage vibes i've got a question for you yeah go okay. right cuz i've got i've got an answer for this is it in my studies uh, you know this morning and last night whilst we were mm. whilst preparing for this conversation um i was thinking about this when do you think guitar first when do you think that um watershed moment was where guitar became modern and vintage where there was a modern and a, a time and a vintage and everything behind it suddenly became kind of vintage leaning. You know what I mean? Where there was, Yeah. when do you think that was? I've got an idea when I think that, when I think that was, <laughs>
1: uh, was it when the Parker fly came out?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. The Fiat Mulds of, uh,
1: and guitars, <laughs> and then everyone realised the future is not the way forward with carbon fibre, and actually we need to we need to look backwards. And, and, do you know what? In all seriousness, um, I know I know that's a really tongue-in-cheek comment about the the, the poor, um, much maligned uh, Parker Fly, but. <laughs> You know, it, it does seem like every new innovation, big innovation that tries to push the, the guitar as an instrument itself. I mean, we'll talk about modeling kit and pedals and amps and all of that, I'm sure. But every, uh, here's a hypothesis. Every, every big step forward that any company tries to make probably has the biggest impact in making people realise actually what they do want is the old stuff. I wonder if I wonder mm. if there's anyone that's done some analysis that that shows actually all of these technologies that people have tried to bring in, like the Parker Fly or the uh, like the uh, the robot tuners or, or or whatever whatever other other mm. like MIDI MIDI stuff and and kind of all the Roland thing. Did did that actually just make people go? Do you know what? That's that's fine and it's a bit of fun. But I don't really need a Line 6 Variax to, 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 to play, you know, mm. my gigs with. What I actually just need is a, is a really nice classic instrument. Uh, and mm. and they and made some great ones in the, in, the, in the 50s, 60s, whatever. So I'll just go, mm. and, uh, go and get one of those. I don't know. It, there seems to be a reluctance. I think we've spoken about this before, but there seems to be a degree of reluctance at pushing forward in the main, away from the yeah. traditional. So I mean, I
0: if the tradi- was, do you know? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely I'm sorry, you I interrupted you there. Um but I was gonna say for me, I think there's an element of cork sniffing. You know what I mean? I, th- I do honestly, I think I think you're gonna have to explain <laughs> that, that, that.
1: <laughs> because uh yeah, our global audience might might not understand what cork
0: sniffing uh, is. right, okay. So it's kind of um <laughs> it's it's kind of I, th- I think some people get caught up on in on on irrelevant details you know and and think that those things are really important i think yeah. there's an element of that when it comes yeah. to vintage gear like mm, okay. nothing's quite like a vintage yeah. telecaster with a slab board instead of a veneer board you know yeah. they built yeah. those from 59 to and yeah. i think that those details are all important in the history of guitar building but what do they really matter in terms of of of, of playability and and to, i mean when i listen to you know guitarists that move me now I'm not thinking oh if only I had the same you know vintage spec instrument or something like do you know what I mean I I find that's that's my understanding anyway at least of the term cork sniffing it's it's irrelevant details that people seem to think are important And I think there's a lot of that in the world of people that really love vintage instruments and things like that, or at least say that the, you know, nothing's better than a vintage tone, a proper tube amp and an old guitar. There's nothing modern that's better than that, which I think is nonsense. I think almost everything modern is, is, well, not just not just better. I think it's objectively better. I think, you know, I think it's things are manufactured um, better now, you know, especially in the high end, you know, range of of guitars using, you know, you look at people like John Sur um a guitar from him would cost three four thousand pounds and it mm-hmm. might have mm-hmm. a vintage look or some vintage kind of vibes but mm-hmm. they're inherently modern guitars with yeah. modern features mm-hmm. and they've been right. built using modern cnc machines and mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. these are modern instruments yeah. and there's absolutely no way um objectively speaking that a vintage instrument is better than that but like I said, there's some cork, sniffery and mojo that goes around. Oh. Do you know what I
1: mean? Well, I do. I think you've, I think you've laid. I've, uh, we're, we're not taking sides <laughs> on this, or at least no, I don't no, think we intended to take sides so. on this. But I'm going to, I'm going to argue the flip side just to play devil's advocate on it. But, um, so look, I mean, some of the world's greatest players, right? People that can arguably afford any instrument of their choosing, right? They could go and buy the greatest modern made guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, But we often see them making the direction for the hand-wired boutique amplifiers, the 59 Les Pauls, the early 60s strats the the vintage stuff where they'll argue all all the hours of the day that <clears throat> the extra long neck tenon in this guitar and the fact that it was made of honduras mahogany which you can't get anymore and mm. the fact that these original PAF pickups were unpotted but they just squeal in a different way all of these little marginal things that they used to do with guitar building but they don't do now adds up to that exact word you just said, Matt, which is this mojo that can't be replicated by modern stuff. Is that that they've deluded themselves into the hype and the marketing rhetoric and the nostalgia, or is it that they are right and actually all of this modern stuff as as convenient and well-finished and... You know, uh, with all these m- minuscule margins of, of error and tolerance and the quality control are all great, but it still doesn't sound the way a great vintage rig would. I don't know why, why did why are these guys going and playing all this vintage stuff, uh, when they when money's no object?
0: Yeah, why are they? That's a really good question, <laughs> yeah why what are you doing why are you spending 200,000 pounds on a let's get a Murphy Lab you know if that's the vibe you want you know. no it's a good question because it must you know playing guitars and playing music is a very emotional thing It yeah. Certain, you have to sort, surely be aware as a musician that sometimes yeah. you're going to play instruments with a history and a story to them, and that's going mm. to play into your emotional experience mm. playing that instrument. Mm. But does that then mean that it's it's really the instrument that is special, or is it the experience you're having? Mm. What's mm. what's what's really happening then with a vintage instrument? Is it is it because you know it's vintage and it feels amazing to you as a musician to have that experience that makes it that good? Or is it something inherent to you know, do you know what I mean? Is it something tangible about the instrument itself that makes it that good? I, I can't would not, argue I go, that I it's know. the emotional yeah. aspect of it. I think that's why a lot of people always go back to like you said, you know, the handmade, you know, oh this 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 handmade guitar amps while exactly like a vintage, you know, original tweed champ or something like that. And you think, well, that's great and I'm sure it sounds good. But really what you're experiencing is a mixture of, I think, something that you like the sound of and the placebo effects of, you know, th- this is something more special than normal things. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm,
1: I do know. I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And look, I mean, I, I I can't answer the question definitively myself, right? Because... I've ne- I haven't played a half a million dollar fifty nine Les Paul to be able to go. Nah, there is there is mojo in this thing that is 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 witchcraft and cannot be replicated in a modern instrument. Um, but mm. I but I have I have played guitars from Gibson costing you know many thousands and thousands of pounds, like some of mm. their custom shop stuff. And I've been a bit disappointed, all gone. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not all that. It's, Mm. you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, I, so I don't know. Yeah. I think there is a romanticism with it.
0: I yeah, great word. Remind, yeah, it's definitely I, that. I
1: think, you know, and and I think there's a, there's a kudos that comes with it, and there's a you know, like anything in life, right? If uh, you know, would you walk around if money was no object with a top of the range Casio digital watch on your wrist, or would you walk around with a with a vintage Rolex or Omega or whatever mm. watch you happen to? To think, because there's a there's a prestige and there's a there's a kind of
0: yeah there know, is a prestige. You're right. I think I think I think that's um. But the, what does that have to do with the, the the music that's made? Do you think?
1: Well, that's the key question, and this is probably maybe one of the key differentiators between the vintage versus modern argument, and might then yeah. polarize where individuals come down on this and whether they mm-hmm. care about it or not. But aside from the romanticism and aside from all of the really geeky technical stuff around, you know, materials used and manufacturing processes that create this mojo, which you can buy into or not, I think maybe one of the strongest arguments, which is difficult to argue with, mm. is when somebody wants to play a vintage instrument because for them it has this uh history in of itself and it has a story that it's told through its life and it's, who, you know, who's owned it before and what gigs it's done before and the battle scars it's accumulated. And the story, if the guitar could talk, this is the stories it could tell. And then that individual playing that vintage instrument then becomes an ongoing custodian of that story about that instrument. So you, again, it is romanticism, but it's, It's like when a player wants to, I don't know, continue that instrument's Life story somehow, and mm. that's why they go. That's why I like playing vintage stuff because it's it's got a story behind it, and it's and it's it's got some kind of like pedigree to it. I don't know. I think I, know,
0: I think I see what you mean. It's almost like you're <clears throat> you're becoming part of the history of something else. It's like you're right. It, it's like you're 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 providing you're, you're putting part of yourself out into the world forevermore to be right. part of the history of something else. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Exactly. It's like if Joe Bonamassa owns one of these fifty nine 59 S Pauls and stuff for a few years, it's kind of... That yeah. guitar will probably live on him yeah. but he'll be yeah. associated to it in some way and I guess you could yeah. you could say the same thing about a vintage instrument that has like you say a story you know maybe you know maybe uh, you know like a 60s strat or something that a few people have owned before you and it's done plenty of gigs here and there yeah. and you think this is this has got a great story of its own yeah. and there's going to be a chapter of that story that you know where, where it's it's mine it's under my custodianship if you like and I can, I, I can appreciate that I really can, yeah. because that is yeah. kind of, that's about the the journey of ownership, um, especially when it comes down to, um, you know, things that are as important emotionally to musicians as <laughs> their instruments, you know. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, you know, the journey of ownership is something that's very important. My, none of my guitars are vintage, but, you know, like my Epiphone Les Paul it's really not worth very much at all from a guitar yeah. point of view, but it's incredibly yeah. important to me, you know, yeah. like we yeah, spoke course. about before sentimentally it's it, you know it was a gift to me from my mum and dad for my 21st birthday I've done countless gigs on it um, The scratches on it and marks on it all over mm-hmm. the place and I could tell you exactly mm-hmm. how most of them were <clears throat> you know, were gained. Um, yeah. and I, I love that instrument, you know, but, but it's not, yeah. it's not because that mojo, if you like, almost that it's built up over time It's because that story that we share together, instrument and yeah. the musician, um, has, has grown over time together. And, and it means more to me. Whereas, you know, I do struggle. I, I can understand the vintage argument, but mm. I struggle to really kind of feel like it's a, a justifiable thing, you know? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, especially and it, because yeah. modern instruments are so good as well.
1: Well, it's that journey of ownership you talked about, and, and and I am literally playing devil's advocate because for me to own a vintage instrument, it would have to be like a super clean. Uh, like, how would you describe it? Like museum oh, come on. grade. Piece. Come on, Kieran!
0: Every <laughs> instrument of yours has to be super clean, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But this is my point. Like, because of the whole OCD thing, right? I, yeah. Like, you use the words journey of ownership. I see a lot of guitars that come in for setup here where the journey of ownership is quite frankly, disgusting.
0: Oh really?
1: <laughs> That's horrible.
0: That's man. Really like,
1: shame. Yeah, well, like the journey of ownership is not a pleasant thing on many guitars, just from mm. a, like, I don't, I don't mean to be like a germaphobe or something, but the amount of guitars that I've literally had to strip down and like properly deep clean before I'll even do a setup on them because they're just they're just crusted, nasty, disgusting, Ugh. unmaintained. Yeah, they oh man, it's horrible. Some of the stuff, like, yeah, there's some where I've had to literally put gloves on to strip down. <clears throat> and
0: you know, had just to strip really yourself down. down, like,
1: oh, like... honestly, <laughs> bleach yourself afterwards yeah. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure Peter Green's Les Paul is is not covered in like his own spit and blood and sweat and stuff. But I'm sure it probably is. But
0: believe,
1: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why That's the number one reason why I wouldn't own a secondhand vintage instrument unless it was like museum grade, been kept in a
0: yeah
1: kept in its case under a bed. Because most people are pretty
0: disgusting with <laughs> it's, a, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. That. There is a yeah. <laughs> there's a hygiene conversation to be had about vintage <laughs> instruments. Where have they been? That's, they been? that's <laughs> enough to take the mojo out of it for anyone, I'm sure. <laughs> if you <laughs> convince them that you don't know where that's been, so yeah. Yeah. why? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's disgusting. No, all right. Uh, so, uh, who? Who? Chris Buck has a really uh, good account of this on his YouTube channel. Mm. Phenomenal guitarist, and yeah. uh, and and he like famously for many years uh, gigs like Yamaha guitars, uh, and uh, his, I think he's number one for a long time. It's like a Highway One strap. Um, yeah. which is not, not dissing Highway 1 strats. Plenty of players rated these as, yeah. as awesome, right? I think some of those Highway 1 strats that came out had like nitrate finishes on them
0: and yeah. really, really
1: high-end spec
0: stuff. Corey um, one, you know, he's the one strat, Highway 1.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're great guitars, but they weren't like the premium custom shop level guitars or, or vintage by any standard. And he said, look, this guitar does everything that I want it to. It's a great guitar. It plays well. It, but I know intrinsically, it, aside from the, the kind of sentimental value to it, intrinsically the monetary value of it is not it's not high. No. So I'm not constantly worried about the fact that I'm taking out a you know twenty grand, thirty grand, forty grand, whatever the figure may be, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. vintage instrument that's going to get damaged or, or stolen. So. I guess for many gigging guitarists, that's mm. not like prof- like professional. And obviously there are some professional guitarists that listen to this show who are like, well, my guitar tech takes care of that. <laughs> and it's in yeah. security guarded flight cases. And you, know, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky, lucky bastards. Um, I know. Yeah,
0: for, for most of it, us, no. It, yeah, exactly. For most of us, it would not you know never really happen. Although we have said before, like if you're... And I've said this, I think, a number of times about, you know, when I've been disparaging the Murphy Lab. Um, if you could afford to get yourself a Murphy Lab guitar, you can probably afford to get yourself actually quite a decent vintage, real vintage guitar from Gibson um, mm. of around the same kind of era that the Murphy Lab's trying to, you know, kind of emulate, except in the, you know there's a certain number of guitars like probably you know late 50s early 60s 335 or ES style guitars Mm -hmm. the late 50s Les Pauls no chance obviously Murphy Lab all the way because the actual vintage are going to be way more expensive but right if you go for something like a late 60s or early 70s style, the S335, mm-hmm. you know, Murphy Lab is probably going to set you back four five grand, six grand maybe. If you've got that money to spend on a Murphy Lab, you'll find vintage instruments from that actual time.
1: Yeah, we found them, haven't we, looking at Yeah, we found yeah. them before. And
0: they're yeah. not all going to be perfect. Some of them might have no. had, you know, a headstock fix, or some of them might have had a refinish potentially at some point but, you know, they're there, they're out there to get. So, you know, that I understand. Because I would rather buy a real vintage instrument than something that's trying to be a vintage instrument. But mm-hmm. we've put a lot of time here to talking about the vintage side of things. Um, let's, let's talk about modern instruments and why, you know, what, what, what modern instruments there are, what does the world of modern instruments look like now? Because one of the things I guess we haven't acknowledged as electric guitarists here is that vintage instruments still aren't really that old you know what I mean I Mm. mean a a vintage Mm. violin might be something like a 200 year old Stradivarius but Mm. for guitars and electric guitars it's a very short amount of time it almost seems silly to be talking about some things as vintage and some things as modern because it's still within the lifetime of a person you know do you know what I mean it's kind of I mean my um, you know my mum How old
1: is vintage then? How how old is vintage? Well that's it my my
0: mum you know she's still here with us she was born in 51 that's before the Strat came out that was before yeah. the Telecaster came out um, so that's all still within the lifetime of a person mm. who's around now it seems it almost seems weird to call it vintage it should just be mm. you know predating or something you know further back down the line but I asked a question earlier on about when, when was the watershed yes, moment is. between yeah. what I think followed was modern guitar and what I think before became what you might wow. talk about vintage. And for me, it's when Van Halen came on the scene yeah. in the late 70s and he pretty much stuck his fingers up to the guitar, you know, and, and, and kind of said, I'm not playing a Les Paul or anything like that. Yeah. I've taken these parts and I've painted it myself and I've wired it myself. In fact, I'm so yeah. bad at wiring that I've left toggle switch in the middle of the body where one of the pickups used to be simply because yeah. I don't know how else to, to physically wire it, you know, and then he, yeah. then he went and made Van Halen 1, which yeah. is just that for me is the epitome of everything that followed that is modern guitar sound Mm. you know he cranked Mm. a plexi put a variac on the voltage input Mm -hmm. on the plexi so that he could get more gain out of it that for me is the watershed moment everything before that still sounded a certain way all the way from kind of the 60s through to late 70s and then everything that followed van halen that's when things started getting modern people were making guitars Mm. like van halen had made his own guitar and people were starting to make guitars like that with floyd roses and you know, B C
1: Rich was born.
0: BC Rich was born. Yeah, you know, hot pickups and high <laughs> head headstops. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Amplifier manufacturers started thinking guitarists need more game. We need to, mm. you know, mm. create more game stages because um how else are they gonna get that sound? So that for me is the watershed moment between modern and vintage. Mm. You know, I think mm. anything that looks like something Van Halen would have played is a modern instrument. And yeah, he was a proponent all his life for modern innovations in guitar, you know a lot of his guitars had things like the drop do you remember the drop D tune
1: Yeah, tune thing on the flying rolls you, you could just twist it, it yeah. and it
0: would automatically yeah. drop guitar to drop D you twist it back and it would just retune it immediately to to E that was that was cool so I don't I don't see you know any reason why there should be any competition between modern and vintage really because Mm. they're both so equally important but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two words to you and I want (laughs) I want you to tell me why these two words are so bad because I've got to be honest I don't get it okay (laughs) okay
1: you ready? I have no idea what these two words are. Okay. Go on. Robot tuners. <laughs> uh, why are they so bad? Why? <clears throat> well, individually, everyone loves a robot designed to make <laughs> your life easier, <laughs> right? makes makes your life easier does stuff for you that you don't have to do yourself yeah who doesn't love the concept of that tuners yeah essential on a guitar keeps you in tune keeps you sounding great
0: perfect Mm
1: -hmm. put the two words together and it becomes the most divisive two words in the history of guitar Guitar
0: manufacturing yeah mm -hmm. exactly why
1: is that so there's there's different schools of thought right uh one school of thought is the very kind of elitist snobby view of the world which is well you're not a proper musician unless you have perfect pitch and you should be able to tune your guitar without the need of a tuning fork or a a tuner and robot tuners is one step so far that you're literally dumbing down the art form because you haven't even bothered to train your ear to tune the instrument yourself all right i'm not going to argue whether they're right or wrong that's just one perspective Another perspective is it's really ugly has no place on a on on that particular guitar and completely ruins the look and mojo and vintage features of an instrument it will be like i don't know what would it be like putting a flux capacitor in like Henry Ford's first like <laughs> <laughs> automobile? It would just be, it would just, it would just be weird. There, there's a, there's a reason Doc Brown pulled up in a DeLorean with a, with, you know, yeah. it, 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 it just
0: looked right. That's right. It's like putting, uh, it's like putting a Tesla so, electric engine. Yeah. In
1: a, in I a know. Stone. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then there's the other school of thought, which is it just didn't work particularly well. Some people just said it, it was just unreliable and some people said it worked great. So oh, this, this was the clash, wasn't it? This was the,
0: this was the, this is the issue between
1: modern and, and vintage.
0: Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think it's, do you know what? I, I, I've put robot tuners on all my guitars. Now I would. Would you really?
1: Yeah, I would. I think you're. I think. I think. I think you're trying to bait me.
0: <laughs> well, well okay. why don't you? Why don't you? You could. I could. Couldn't I? But, um, could. But you know you what? I to? find you know. Like, I I do find it sometimes really kind of irritating tuning my strat because I f- I float the tremolo on my strat. So, yeah. Uh, why wouldn't I want a little machine that I can just press standard tuning and just strum the strings and press tune, and it just does everything for me? I mean, it's it's like the equivalent of having an automatic gearbox on a car. Why wouldn't I want something that does that oh, job? I love for an me? automatic gearbox. Yeah, exactly. Can...
1: Do you know but... what? I changed my I changed my view. Yeah
0: yeah forgotten. you change you've changed a few now have you
1: oh. well i for years I only ever bought cars with with stick shift uh, manual yeah. because you, you know you, that's what I learned to drive on that was yeah. my preference for driving and and frankly you're a, an, an old age pensioner and and had no place on the road if you were driving around in an automatic car that's what you know there, yeah. there was a period of time where that was for People that had some kind of disability that, that didn't know how to drive properly, mm. at, at least in the UK. <laughs> now, I wouldn't buy a car that wasn't automatic. I made the shift a few years ago. Maybe that just says I'm getting old. Maybe maybe that's what I've explained. <laughs> but but <laughs> it's a godsend. It, 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 it's, it's amazing. Why wouldn't you have that? It's so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's, it's, I completely
0: agree. It's, it's, a, it's an advancement in technology that brings convenience an improvement of performance to I'm talking about the robot tuners by the way now not the automatic oh, gearbox yeah. oh, I was nodding along thinking you're talking about the automatic gearbox yeah. now you're talking about robot tuners and i start I'm shaking talking, my maybe head maybe I talk about both maybe, maybe what I'm saying but I, I see it as a technological advancement mm. that made your life easier as a guitarist that um, that served purpose in that you could you could be in tune very quickly and easily, mm. which is, I think, vital for some instruments that it's hard to be in tune in all the time. Like, for example, mm. you know, the Gretsch I've just bought, beautiful mm. guitar, but I'll mm. always have tuning issues with that, whether I like it or not, because it's got an old Bigsby bridge on it. Mm. So why not mm. have something that helps me maintain better, better tuning stability? But I think the reason it went wrong is because you know, Gibson never realized that, um, them that, you know, the, the kind of loyal following of, of, you know, purchasers and, and instrument lovers and people that love Gibson guitars, people that love Gibson guitars love them because of the history of Gibson and they're very particular about the history of Gibson. I think this That's is why is. Murphy's Lab is, has been such a popular yeah, thing for, right. for Gibson is because it's the closest they've ever got to being able to essentially put vintage instruments on the market for people to be able to afford and buy, because people who love Gibson love the guitars they've already made 30, 40 years ago, not the stuff that they make now. And I think people saw it as a bit of a slight to the history of Gibson to put something so modern on on the guitar. Whereas, you know, there are other guitars, you know, that have already have this technology and nobody's ever batted an yeah. eyelid, you know, I mean, there's, you've got line sixes guitars, which you can digitally change the tuning on and nobody minds yeah. that. And that's a really, yeah. I think so for me, again, it's kind of, it's the audience was was wrong rather yeah. than the technology. Yeah.
1: I completely agree with you. That's probably the best explanation of why robot tuners failed is they put it on the wrong guitar. Yeah. Effectively. The people that have got the money, uh, you know, from whatever it was, the late nineties through Mm. to, through to today that grew up coveting, you know, a beautiful Gibson Les Paul. It Mm. didn't have a robot tuner on it. So they Mm. don't want a Gibson Les Paul with a robot tuner on it, but probably Gibson could have put it on any other number of, their non heritage type models and people would have, would have lapped it up. If line yeah. six had stuck it on their guitar, we'd have all been praising line six going amazing, amazing innovation. Mm. Um, so I think you're right. I think it was just the wrong guitar for in the main for, for that technology. Mm, I think
0: so too. I, I mean, um, any other guitar, I mean, there are guitars now, modern guitars that, um, that it kind of, you feel like it, they need robot tuners to mm-hmm. add to the modern vibe almost. Yeah. I was looking yeah. at some modern guitar brands. Um, when I say modern guitar brands, I don't just mean young brands. I mean, guitars, no. brands that are specifically making stuff that I think are um, uh, entirely modern in their design and outlook. Um, mm-hmm. And have you heard of, you've heard of Strandberg guitars? Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you ever mm-hmm. seen any in terms of... No. Never had to set one up or anything like that? No, no. So never for me, never that seen is seen one in the flesh. Yeah, the, these guys for me are the epitome of what it means to be a modern guitarist. So StrandbergGuitars.com, You've got people like uh, Pliny, you know, the Australian mm-hmm. kind of um, progressive metal guitarist playing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, they call them. Um, uh, what do they call them? Head? Do they call them headless or headstock? Non headstock guitars. Uh, they they do say that headless, they call them headless guitars. So there's no headstock on the guitar. There's the tunings out of the bridge. Um, They've got some really modern appointments. Like um, I think they've got like carbon fiber um, stuff going on. Yeah. So they've got some really modern stuff going on. Multi-scale necks as well. So, So that means like the frets start to fan out as you come down through Mm -hmm. the board rather than staying parallel all the way so that you can have a different scale on your lower bass strings than you can on your higher strings, which means Mm -hmm. you can maintain... A higher tension in those bass strings and it means for those even though you've got a small guitar you can get down to some lower tunings if you're doing like the you know the the kind of progressive metal stuff that tunes down quite a lot and mm. um the intro the most interesting thing for me i don't know if you've noticed this about um strandberg guitars before is the neck shape which is it's not it's not round or anything it's not it's almost kind of hexagonal, like half hexagonal. There's a, yeah. there's, it's basically three. The back of a Strandberg neck is basically the, the center part of it is flat, and then the other two sides of it is flat. It's kind of like a half hexagonal thing. And, um,
1: yeah, that's a good description. It, it, exactly right. That's, uh, oh, I wonder what that's like to yeah, play. Exactly.
0: It. I don't know what it's like to play, but apparently it's incredible. You know, a lot <laughs> of these people that play these these just say, like, wow. Text takes some getting used to, but... And I can imagine for a lot of people that are into really, like, technique, you know, heavy stuff... Yes. Having those yes. flat edges really allows you to position your thumb in a certain way. That helps yes, you get better definitely. support for your fingers, Um, but it's still comfortable for the hand when you're doing cordial stuff. But the, these guys strandberg are really doing what i think is kind of modern only guitar manufacture. i
1: agree i agree with you that's a good shout matt that's a good call on a on a manufacturer that is definitely doing some very clever things right to to push the guitar in a new direction um
0: i mean even just the shape of the guitars is kind of like you can see it's it's like ergonomics takes such a high priority in their design. Right. They're still making exactly. such still making beautiful looking guitars, but the shape of their mm-hmm. guitars is kind of our guitars are this shape purely to make the Standing and seating, comfortable, you know, kind of options for playing these guitars, (laughs) comfortable. Do you know what I mean? You can have, you can see it, you You can can see it. it, Yeah, you've got the curve where you can have the guitar sat on your lap normally, or you. There's then another curve so you can have it kind of upright on your lap in a comfortable position. Um, and that is a really innovative move. You know, Mm. they're not pandering Mm. to older designs. They're not trying to go. Everyone loves a strat, so let's Mm. let's Mm. just do our own version of a strat. You know, it's it's we would. We're doing guitars this way for yeah, modern yeah. guitarists to re- to be able to realize, you know, the the, the benefits of some modern guitar design, um, and and that's that's what we're doing. I really, I don't think I'd ever. I don't think I'd ever buy one of these guitars. It's not something I would well, buy. Well, that
1: was exactly gonna be my next question. If you had I'm so I'm looking at the <laughs> Bowden Fusion NX6 Bonfire Red, which right. <laughs> I don't know if you can find that way. It's a s it's a stunning looking guitar. I mean it's got this beautiful quilted maple top and yeah, yeah. it just looks it looks it looks beautiful. It's it's yeah. go it's two two and a half thousand dollars. If I had $2,500, would I buy one of these? Difficult to say because I've never played one. Maybe it's one of those things where you pick it up and you play it and all of a sudden you unleash the beast. But... um <laughs> I don't know, I would, there's other guitars that I, but exactly as you say I really admire them for the way that they're pushing Yeah. some of these these nuances into a more modern direction
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely, I think you know, the, the guitar manufacturer industry needs that, I think, you know there's a lot of great manufacturers out there that will always do what they do and always do the guitars that people love mm. them to do. Mm. I mm. like I like how Fender still try and push the boat out a little bit with, They do. you know they their do. kind of, you know, F- SR range or you know some Mm -hmm. of the kind of alien ranges of guitars where they say Mm -hmm. what if this was made and it's a Mongol or something I like that (laughs) I feel sorry for Gibson that the entire market of Gibson guitar lovers will always kind of hold them to account in a way won't they do you know what I mean it's like (laughs) I feel sorry for Gibson they can't really do anything more I mean they've just Release this! Oh, did
1: you see that thing? That oh like, my the
0: little God. pointy, the, the tulip. the yeah, tulip. It tulip. It looks, tulip it looks like a thing.
1: Bloody horrible,
0: <laughs> Gibson. <laughs> what are they doing? I mean, it's not a particularly nice guitar. Um, yeah. At least they've managed to release something new, but it's, it's not great. <laughs>
1: It was the marketing rhetoric behind it. I don't know if you saw it. No, I they, didn't. They, they, they they found this um, long lost design that was supposed to have been made. So they're almost trying to say this Where should have been one it of our- in the bin? It would literally. <laughs> it, it, this is the one that never made it. And I'm just reading this, going, guys, there's a reason it never made it. Look at it. It's it's a, it's a shocker. But I guess they were trying to, rather than, rather than uh, somewhere, somewhere they'd done a focus group. Clearly, that said, Gibson Heritage, like traditional stuff, don't mess with it. Please let us not have another robot tuners on our hands. Stop trying to push innovation. That's not what your core customer base requires. So the marketing guys went, right, how are we going to spin this one? And they'd go, this is the long lost Gibson that mm. was never made, but the design is an old design and it was designed by the guys that brought you all the ones that you loved. It's just that we we, uh, we put it in the bottom of the drawer and forgot about it. And, and now years later, like some sort of Indiana Jones, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, we've unearthed it and and now we bring it to you and, and, and here it is. And you just go, yeah. Well, don't you? St- and, and
0: that's almost kind of proof of the pudding, right? <laughs> They've had to, they've had to justify this. Like Gibson have had to carry this thing out of, of 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 the building, the first prototype, and just say to people, "Don't worry, it's an old design." It's, and it says everything about the relationship there between the people that want to buy and love Gibsons and it hold does. them dear, and it and does. Gibson's ability to move forward as a business. Yeah, you know, it's like. Well, at least, least, at least Gibson owned Kramer now, don't they? So at least they can make modern yes. guitars under the Kramer brand and not yeah. Gibson. Um, but I do feel sorry for Gibson because they'll never be able to stop. They'll never be able to. There'll always be somebody going, oh, remember that <laughs> 50s gibson that rick nielsen played in cheap trick do another do another you know custom shot run of that guitar and yes. and they'll never be be able to make anything new or innovate anything and i feel yeah. sorry for them.
1: it's a horrible guitar gibson's custom shop theodore <laughs> theodore <laughs> Theodore. It. it's called theodore a new a new guitar based on an unused and slightly unu- and slightly unusual design slightly unusual it okay all right let's go with it made importantly by its former president and legendary guitar innovator ted mccarthy in 1957 so this is an original 57 design matt we it just it's just taken this long for yeah. them to bring it so bring this, it, this would be one of life. the
0: designs that ted mccarthy would have kind of done to warm his hands up <laughs> in the morning so it was probably crumpled up right yeah. and you can't you yeah. can't say it's an original design if no. do you know what i mean if i design uh a recipe now for something I to have for lunch because it's lunchtime and I'm hungry <laughs> if I design something and, I, and it's and it's absolute nonsense and I can tell it's going to be rubbish that doesn't yeah. mean it's still an original recipe or original design it's do you know what I mean it's I think sometimes they need to just disregard some stuff as nonsense I mean I'm sure yeah. Ted McCarthy would have looked at it and gone you know drawn it out and looked at it and gone no no, I'm going to carry on going you know with the maybe this SG design that I'm doing because that's a better pointy <laughs> uh, you know guitar <laughs>
1: Wow! Right into us. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us you love the the Gibson. Yeah, vehicle, maybe maybe people do dense, love it. I don't know headstock and uh, bizarre tulip configuration. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but Lord. I think to we're sp- just bashing Gibson again, aren't
0: we? Yeah, right, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> so to summarise, for me, I mean, I you know every every guitar I have on the wall here is either based on or is a vintage mm. style of guitar, but it wasn't made in a vintage time. And I love these guitars, but I guess for me, I, I, I don't really understand why um, vintage instruments seem to be considered as superior necessarily. I, shouldn't, I don't think that's the case. In any other yeah. area of industry, you know, technology, manufacturing capability, design, it mm. gets better over time. Mm. I think it's the same mm. with guitars. I think people who really, really love and think that to, you know, the vintage instruments and amplifiers are superior. I think they should maybe question themselves. You know, I just ask themselves why. Why do I think that? Maybe I should go out and try and look at a few more modern um, instruments and and just see if I can see if I can challenge that that you know that um, belief I have about vintage instruments. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like I said, I, lo- I love vintage instruments. I like the way that they look. I like the way that they sound and play. Um, but I love modern stuff too, and um, mm-hmm. and I love mm-hmm. the way that modern manufacturing is going for guitars i think it's fantastic
1: well i yeah you know, i couldn't set it better i think i think it's always nice when you can blend a healthy mix of the two things you know yeah scratch scratch that kind of vintage traditional thing within a rig and then and then know the elements that are better better off being being modern and at the end of the day it's how it sounds and how how you feel about it isn't it mm. so you know there is no right and wrong. It's it's all subjective stuff. But um, nice, nice, yeah. nice disclaimer. <laughs> Just You're to prevent right, Joe though. Bonamassa coming after me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cool, oh, dude are you gigging
1: this weekend? No nothing this weekend which is which is nice I've got a weekend off mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the week after yeah starts a starts a nice little string of gigs but I've got some holidays coming up as well some some trips abroad so yeah I've got uh, I've, this is my last weekend of just chill actually and uh, I've got a couple of guitars to set up this weekend and then next week yeah back on back on the gigging wagon and uh, yeah, that should be great. Fantastic. How about you mate? You got any more more dates in the diary coming up? Your, your dates just te- seem to drop in at short notice these days Sometimes,
0: yeah sometimes a, a, a date will drop in. I'm trying to start, actually kind of trying to start a new little band project with some friends oh, at the moment, goodness. so Rory Harvey um, yeah. and uh, some guys I know in the Guildford area, um, great musicians I've known for a long time uh, Chris Nugent, Owen Logue, Tom Worrell, some of these guys I've, I've known for a long time are superb musicians and I just Mm. kind of asked them do you you fancy getting a little pub club band together doing music that we want that that you want to do that you never get the chance to do yeah and I'm talking like a lot of you know yacht rock kind of stuff you know yeah yeah, yeah, a bit of Toto you know a bit of Michael McDonald maybe some Steely Dan wonderful stuff like the stuff that I've never had the chance to play but I'd love to play but also I'd like to play with these guys because I miss playing with them because they're all such great musicians um so I'm hoping to get together with those guys maybe end of June um, around that time, if if they're free, start jamming out some stuff and then maybe get some gigs in the diary after that. But other than oh that, man. no, I mean, it's just going to be the occasional jam night for me now for the rest of the year. No more gigs kind of planned. I'm probably going to turn a lot of them down unless, you know, if I can't really turn the money down, then I won't. But um, I don't need to do them. And um, a lot of them are pain in the backside. So. <laughs> wedding gigs and it's just got to be there six hours before you're playing and you know yeah, how it yeah, is yeah. yeah yeah I do you're all depth in do. the band nobody's sorted out yeah. a set yeah I just find it hassle <laughs> but yeah
1: that's me well if you do get that super group together my god yeah I've definitely come along and watch that man that would be amazing to watch I know, I know some of those guys and I know you have spoken to me about some of those guys (laughs) at length and told me how amazing they are. So yeah, that'd be amazing. But yes, it is wedding season upon us, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I've got I've done a couple of weddings already this year, and a couple more to go. So yeah, they're always fun. They're always fun <laughs>
0: in their own <laughs> unique fun. way. Yeah, I know.
1: yeah. I am looking forward to the fact that the next gig is a pub gig though, and not a wedding. It's just like oh, yeah, brilliant.
0: I miss those Great. gigs.
1: You know. Just go, just go nuts in the pub and just yeah. That's it. Just laugh, relax. It's relaxed, relax. It's more laugh. relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Oh uh, well, look after yourself, buddy. I hope your I hope your cough gets better. And it yeah. sounds it sounds like you uh, it sounds like you need to rest up this weekend, did not you?
0: Yeah, I do. I'm going to take the rest of the you know, rest of the day now just to chill out and. Oh, good man. Uh, and, uh, and try and relax a bit and, uh, and maybe do that for the weekend as well depending on how I feel tomorrow oh, alright buddy well you look after yourself and, yeah you uh, too
1: yeah let's catch up again next week it you be good to good to chat
0: for sure brilliant buddy have a cracking week yeah, see you geez. on the next one all the best bud bye mate Thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. What do you think? Come and tell us what you think about vintage instruments, vintage guitars, vintage amps, vintage equipment, whatever it is. Do you think it's a load of snake oil, or do you really think there's something special there? And why is it that modern guitars aren't looked at with the same reverence as something old and uh, and vintage? Um, Anyway more interesting conversations in a couple of weeks time from kieran and myself hope you've enjoyed this one and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks time take care bye bye.